Hi, I'm Jay. I'm Brian. And we're here for another edition of the BNA Podcast. Welcome aboard. Well, it's been a couple of weeks. I know. You know, it's been funny. It's been busy. I had, um, well, I got kind of sick. Right. Well, I, I was kind of sick as well. You were kind of sick. And then your daughter came into town. Right. Um, and then we did actually something that more Nashvilleians need to do, which we rented a boat and spent the day on Old Hickory Lake. Which and was, you can do it at Percy Priest Lake. Or you can do it at Bunny. Yeah, but it was lovely. It was perfect. It right? was It was really supposed perfect. to rain. did not. It did not. Um, we all, I got a little bit more sun than I expected, but that yeah, was okay. Yeah, it, uh, it was a great day out there. And we did it on a Monday. That's the way to do it. Right. Pastors work on the weekend, as you might know. So yes. Monday is a day off. Uh, I am, you know, functionally unemployed. Right. So I got Mondays off. Uh, and so that was a great time. But more people should avail themselves of the... Uh, we the we want to thank my daughter, lake. Grace, for the suggestion. She yeah. was looking for fun things to do with the family while she was in town. And she said, let's rent a pontoon boat. And we're like, okay. Sure. And uh, and we want to say, if you rent on Old Hickory, go to the Sanders... We went to Sweetwater okay. Pontoon Rentals. Okay. and was the uh, name of it, which is around Saunders Ferry Road. Saunders, Saunders Ferry Road. Um, the boats there were really good. Super clean, it super was, nice. It was. It looked brand new. Yeah, honestly. and it had, it had a big enough engine to enjoy some fun tubing all day without it, it being too slow yeah uh, which is often a problem i recommend nothing less than 150 horsepower on your pontoon experience i think you need that that thing actually made pretty good speed it did great yeah it did great. so so yeah it was a great day but uh, now we're back to the the grind of putting yeah. out podcasts the real life uh stuff and so let's say the first and foremost thing that happened within the city limits this week was beyond a shadow of a doubt the final removal of a bust of Nathan Bedford Forrest. This has been in the works for a bunch of years. Like decades. Uh, yeah. And and honestly, it it while this is a state issue in some ways, it, for those who don't know what we're talking about, in the in the state capital, which is located here in Nashville, right Tennessee. Right here in the middle of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, there have been these busts, uh, you know, these statues of various figures. And one of the figures was Nathan Bedford Forrest. These, who, are, these are famous Confederate <clears throat> figures. Confederate general known for the Fort Pillow Massacre in West Tennessee, was the founder of the Ku Klux Klan. And he was on display right outside either the House or the Senate chambers. Right, I can't remember. Right in the rotunda. Right in the rotunda. I mean, <laughs> our it, it, it was right prominent. You couldn't miss it. And so activists for a while have been saying, you know, this isn't really a good look for our state. Yeah. Uh, and so they've been trying to get it removed. And, of course, certain... People, elements, certain elements, elements of our wanted legislator to that, wanted to hold on to our heritage, and so um, that's been an ongoing issue for a long time. And finally, it has been removed uh, after a lot of work and wailing and gnashing of teeth, even with um, the head of the legislature, the, the the what is the Speaker of the House and the Senate Majority Leader. Um, they objected. The lieutenant, they objected. They were the two on they, the building commission. Right. The Speaker and the head of the Senate both sit there as well, as does the governor. But the governor voted with right. the removal, which he'd been okay with for a long time. It was right. like one of those things that uh, Bill Lee, for all of his problems, um, is not a very strong supporter of our confederacy. Right. He's, he's sort of, he's 
perfectly comfortable allowing that to be studied in museums and right. history books, but he's not all that crazy about the symbolism because it hurts his run for presidency. It should be noted <laughs> that this it, this isn't like this statue has been there for a hundred years. This statue was put there forty years ago. And it, it was forty pretty years, much a direct response. Ago. That would put it like right around the civil rights. It movement. was about six years after the Civil Rights Act yeah, was passed. It, it, was, it was installed. It was yeah, and it was and this in, happened all over the South. It it was put in place by a legislator from uh, a senator from Nashville, Doug Henry, um, who was uh, about as conservative as much of a Dixiecrat as you could ever find. Right, and uh, I, I knew Doug Henry. I met him. He was a very sweet man. He showed up at everything. He was. You want to talk about uh, a guy that a politician that knew right. that it was all sort of retail. Uh, he was a you retail. Had a, you had a baby. He'd hug it. He would. Right. He would. The only guy that was that was more um, sort of brazen than he would. There was a guy that was on council. I think he was a court clerk for a while named uh, Vic Lineweaver. And Vic would just show up at funerals, whether he knew the person or not. He'd right. come to the funeral visitation and hand out his pen, election pins to people. Hey, I'm running for office. You win the, yeah. it Well, was, I mean, technically he bizarre. had just lost one voter. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he had to restock the uh, pond a little I, I, there. But I it's, guess, yeah. Um, but it's, uh, you know, throughout the South in the, in the late 60s and 70s, we installed this, you know, like dozens and dozens of of confederate statues right many of which have been removed in the last two years right um, but people kind of look at it in the what i call the expired romance of a southern confederate pride right and i'll be honest i get it a long time ago right right there was a time when culturally you couldn't avoid it right it was a time when the entire country was very clannish about where it was from and what it did. It was not a very mobile society. You you lived where you lived. You know, if you grew up in Tennessee, you probably died in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of those things have changed. And, and one of the problems with this sort of modern version of the right in our legislature and in, in, in southern states is that they're still dedicated to that idea. And to be fair, most of those people, it turns out, there was an article, a uh, Vanderbilt article a few years ago, but most of those people actually never do leave the state. They literally never visit anywhere as near right. as Arkansas. Right. So you've got this um, mass number of voters that are holding on to, most of their life, there have been statues of mm-hmm. Confederate generals throughout their daily lives. Right. And they consider it part of history. Right. Because they were born in, say, 1968 Mm -hmm. or something, right? So they've never known a world without Confederate statues. Right. So it's really weird. But like so many things in life, those sort of old ideas expire. And it's one thing to have a statue of Robert E. Lee in Virginia in his hometown, right, mm-hmm. and have a historical explanation of why the guy that lost the war mm-hmm. has got a thing there. It's another thing to have the Grand Wizard of the KKK in the state capitol in 2021 in a, you know, in a state famous for the sit-ins, you know, famous. This is yeah. where, you know, Martin Luther King was killed in our state. Exactly. Uh, this is a very active state in civil rights, and we have a leadership role in civil rights at that at the time. Uh, 
So it was like I watched every I watched a live feed actually, and I never do that. Right. I couldn't care less about things. I was so tickled. Yeah. To see that small bit of progress happen, and I just I thought it was cool. I've I, like several leg- legislatures have posted uh, pictures of the empty spot. Yeah, the and, empty spot and they, is great. Basically saying we've never been so happy to see uh, nothing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. This is, uh, and so it was. It was one of those things. It's, it's part of a sort of an evolution of kindness to others, right? And it was, yeah. all we got to do is look around and, you know, conservative Southerners will say, but it's our history and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, dude, you know what? Even if it is your history, mm-hmm. if it offends somebody else in our state at such a level that we would have protests and that Justin Jones would be arrested, he got a bunch of his charges dropped this yeah, week as that. well, yeah. which is good news in that case. Um that people would, then you know what? It's time to go. Like, it's okay to have our history in the museum. Right. Right. Let's just do it out of just just to be a good person. Right. Right. Exactly. And that seems to have been eliminated from our discourse. You know, yeah, some things, it's like, I don't care if it's like historically accurate or inaccurate or all that kind of stuff. We've got history books and museums for that. Well, the, um, and, the, and the, the symbolism is just so cruel. The symbolism is cruel. And to basically say that this is the legislature is the state house that is supposed to represent all of the Everybody, citizens right. of the state, the state of Tennessee and to put somebody that was so overtly. Now, again, there's a lot of revisionist history. There's a lot sure. of history that says, oh, well, by the end of his life, he had changed. And, and that's great. And if we build a statue to everyone <clears throat> who made made a deathbed confession of faith. Right. Exactly. There would be no room for cars. You know, for me, you know, there's all the language about cancel, cancel culture and they're trying to cancel our history and heritage, but it's like, you know, we don't have statues of Adolf Hitler, particularly next no. to the synagogue, um, because we believe that he was not a good person. Right. And, and you if, know, I remember it. And if you look at the sta- at the country of Germany, right. you know, they don't lift him up and say, well, this is part of our heritage. They no. kind of go, oh, this was this is part of our history, it's but a, it It's sucked. one of those things like you have <laughs> yeah. to whisper. Yeah, It's exactly. like, well, we did have Hitler. Hitler. Um, and it's, yeah. you know, and they pay reparations in their country, in Germany, to people that were harmed by said Hitler, right? I mean, it's like they embrace the fact that their country was overthrown by an ideology that was just immoral and base at the worst levels, and then they do everything that they can to try to make some amends. One one of the things that I was always amazed at, when I went to Israel, we stayed at this... Um, uh, for for a week at this place called Pilger House, which they called a hostel, and I called it a three star hotel. It was really wonderful. Yeah, our hostel was, in, in Israel was awesome. But it, yeah. it was run by a German Benedictine order and right. uh, German monks, and they were specifically in Israel to try to bring forth reconciliation right. based off of their history of of oppressing the Jews, and it was just kind of an amazing sort of work that they were doing to try to bring forth relationship and basically do reparations for what arguably you could say that it would be the christian thing to do i would argue that yeah. but you know some there are certain not. people that have left the reservation in that particular yeah, subject exactly the, so well anyway, that's cool I it's gone it's like that's a it's a teeny tiny little victory it is. that took decades to achieve but it was a good one i felt moderately sad for the other two statues, which were also removed. Right. Because Nathan Bedford Forrest was so horrible right. that the other two guys that were Confederate admirals, etc., right. 
um, they just got no press. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like you, they, everybody says, "Oh, we got to preserve our history, preserve our history," and none of those people can name the other two. Exactly. It's no, like, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been we, in there for like forty years, and you can't even name them. Exactly. Well, I can't name them, and I watch the coverage. Uh, well, me too. So, uh, so <laughs> that was a, a celebration. While we're on the Capitol, I wonder if we need to talk about our governor at all. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a couple of things that have to be talked about that affect Nashville's <laughs> citizenry. Yes, um, well, um, there was an interesting article I read in the scene the other day, which um, Bill Freeman, who's the uh, publisher of that, uh, yeah. put basically is making the, uh, the argument that everything that Governor Lee is doing right now is trying to set himself up for a presidential or vice presidential bid. And so things like going to the border and um, his way he's kind of handled the vaccine thing um, are all working to sort of build his national brand, uh, which is terrifying to me. Well, a little bit, except Billy is so nationally so unelectable that it's like like Trump was so insane mm-hmm. that it woke up and right. started. Bill, uh, he, he doesn't spur really any thought he'd be I mean, a great vi- right here he'd be a great vice president he does make mike pence seem like mr personality i can say that <laughs> exactly. uh it's you know he's got that going for him but but you know I, it makes me think bill lee has been saying now for many weeks there's two hundred and fifty thousand empty jobs right here in tennessee and yet he's looking for a job in washington exactly. see there's a problem right there, there. is a problem he there. said he has been trained as a welder mm-hmm. there are welding jobs that cannot be filled he has an obligation to his state as he has now required mm-hmm. by financial um, bribery, um, the he has in fact insisted that poor people mm-hmm. go to work as welders. Right. Um, so I think obviously the Christian thing to do would be for him to also go help one of the local employers and start working as a welder immediately I in think Tennessee. So. Or at help. least he needs to be training people on how to be a welder. Absolutely. Go you into know? teaching. Do something teaching of value. Teaching something of value. Uh, it is also interesting that this whole vaccine, we're not going to promote vaccines. Right. We're going to this whole kind of back and forth thing. Um, so once it's again, a reflection of his administration it is not just the health department thing this is right. everything this is happened because of him right uh, and so the, and the health know, department what's the name of the head of the health department uh, Lisa Piercy Lisa Piercy she came out and said in backhanded ways because she won't accept questions right uh, which we'll talk about in a second because Bill Lee evidently doesn't accept questions from African American reporters right this oh, is I a problem heard, yeah there was a this. thing about there was oh, a yeah, tweet about this, this from okay. one of the uh one of the reporters that he just kept not answering. I, I guess I'm going to have to start getting back on I might the Twitter. Have, I might have tweeted that his pastor told him he's not allowed to talk to black people, but the um, that was just, you know. <laughs> and they didn't block you yet? No. Oh, good. No. I mean, his pastor, who's now been fired for right. participating in the insurrection, um, his pastor blocked me a long time ago. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That happened early on. Yeah. I did a great job there. Sure. Um, but... But uh, so Lisa Piercy came out and said, because there was a big accusation that she had fired the head of our vaccination efforts mm-hmm. uh, at the will of the state house. Right. And of course, everybody was denied, denied, denied. No, no, no. She had a bad work review and we fired her for cause and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. Uh, and then Lisa Piercy said in an interview yesterday that, um, well, it was her job to, in fact, make sure that state departments were staffed in such a way that it reflected the will of the governor. Gotcha. 
which sounds to me like the governor told me to fire her, so I fired her. Well, there was a meeting. Uh, there was a report recently about a meeting between the state legislators who are have been most sort of rabid on this and um, and representatives from the health department. So and, right. and the governor's office. So oh, yeah, everybody they had a, was everybody they had a closed door meeting where they did not allow Democratic legislatures to participate. Of course, and they, they had never a conversation did. About it. So it's important uh, things to know. It's like. <laughs> The uh, these, you know, and the reason that I am so much less of a conservative and Republican today than I have in my entire life is because this idea that democracy can somehow happen with closed doors, cigar smoke and only old white men meetings is an unacceptable way to operate anything. Well, and I don't care what it is. (laughs) And in our state, unless they've changed the law this past year, which is always possible, that's illegal. Yeah, it's uh, illegal. And uh, they also tried to throw Natalie Allison out of the state house. Uh, yeah. The state troopers did. There yeah. was a great Twitter uh, thing about That's that. That's exciting. Saying she wasn't allowed to be in the rotunda, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Uh, and oh, she wow, stood up and she wouldn't move. Yeah, good. She was sitting at the desk in the rotunda there. Good. So. Good, I'm glad. Yeah, it's it's um, it really is a very sad where we find ourselves in. Uh, but what's interesting to me is that what is the deal because it's like been within the past five six days that suddenly there's been this shift um on the right around vaccines yeah you know before it was like no 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 we don't want people to get vaccinated and well, now then all, then, yeah. and now the governor of alabama is saying well the problem is those unvaccinated absolutely people. blaming directly blaming the unvaccinated <laughs> people which by the way just in case the governor of alabama has sent this clip and i hope he is that me or she is it a he is she it's a she right she um you can't tell because asa right is a guy I don't know. So the I just don't know the difference. Uh, the uh, and they're allowed to be non-binary. I suspect both would deny that they are. Yes. But the the whole deal is that they're now parroting exactly what President Biden is saying. You know, this is a this is now a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Right. Which is only true ninety nine percent of the time. Right. There is so a to 1%. be fair, yeah. there is a one percent breakthrough infection rate. I do know someone who had breakthrough infection this week and right. is in isolation. Um, so it does happen. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think that we know what happened. Right. Polling. Yeah. The only thing that ever happens. Probably. Only yeah. time a politician changes his mind on any issue. Yeah. Polling. But you know what's interesting is that. Although the health department has now said, no, we're going to promote vaccinations. The governor didn't say that. No. He hasn't changed. He can't. He, he literally cannot. I mean, he is completely bound by about 11 members of the state legislature and one pastor. Right. That just will not allow him to do that. Yeah. Um, the, uh, you know, the... The fact that the evangelical Christian church has somehow or another abandoned the concept of vaccinations for the first time in their history. Right. Um, I know it's just shocking. You know, my like I've said on this podcast, my father is as hardcore conservative Republican Trumpy evangelical pastor as there is in the world. And he got vaccinated in February. Mm-hmm. Um, the there's just not there's there's no way to explain it. Uh, but we're starting to see them die. Yeah. So a member of Hillsong Church in L.A. that was had lots and lots of Instagram followers sure. was promoting and promoting and promoting and vax joking. And his whole stream was all about, you know, anti-vax jokes and making fun of people. 
Well, locally he's here. Dead. Yeah, locally here, the Phil Valentine, Phil who's Valentine kind of is, been the conservative talk radio guy that's been the staple of Nashville for a bunch of years. A bunch of years. Probably on a ventilator today. Uh, probably. Yeah. And, uh, yeah it was not as of yesterday afternoon. And they're yeah. no longer tweeting about it. No. They've gone quiet. They have gone very but quiet. But he did. His family came out with a statement yesterday saying that Phil apologized for being anti-vax and wished he would have been more right uh, open to the vaccine concept or whatever it's a little late now but the, yeah it's too it's too little too late it's, um but there's been a bunch of data on this now and you're starting to see all the people fall in line but we have a much bigger problem you know nashville's vaccination rate as of what the mayor said this morning um in his release is 52 percent that's better than the state it's better than the state by a lot but it's really bad yeah i no, mean this I is a very blue city exactly to be at 52 percent exactly and you know, that's why we see breakthrough cases, mm-hmm. um, you know, going into our hospitals. Right. And at some point, you know, it, it starts hitting home. Right. And I think we are seeing it start to hit home. Lots and lots of conservative people are going to spend a lot of time on ventilators over the next few minutes. 20% of all the cases are coming from Florida. Florida, Texas, and Missouri represent 40% of all the new cases in the United States. Um, these are people that are very, you know, vehement about yeah. being told what to do. Now, back to Bill Lee's thing. I think the thing that was interesting about the Bill Lee thing. Right. Go ahead. Is this whole argument that he had was about the fact that the vaccine scientist that, uh, who was a pediatric doctor had said in internal communications right. that we must remember that children between the ages of 14 and 18 in the state of Tennessee, do not necessarily require parental permission to get a vaccination. It's part of the state Supreme Court has made that law. They have held that law up, right? right. And and therefore it is, you know, and quite honestly, it's, it's a Republican law. It was probably passed when Democrats were saying something and the Republicans decided to pass it. But right. nonetheless, it has been affirmed by the Supreme Court in the state of Tennessee. She had the audacity to mention it. Well, and as I understand it, not only did she mention it, she ran it by the state attorneys and yes. by her supervisors, and they all said, yes, so yes this that is, is correct. In, that is, in fact, the law. That yes. is, in fact, the law. So by following the law, <clears throat> specifically right. asking your supervisor, going to the state's attorney, right. and trying to create an environment where young people could get vaccinated before we send millions mm-hmm. of them back into small rooms with no mask on right. uh, in August— um, she got canned. And, you know, again, it's the, the problem is, again, the, the legislators that we elect in most counties are just not equipped to deal with. I mean, the guy that has been screaming the most, and I can't remember his name, but he's from Kalioka, um, which is down south of here. Wow. Uh, <clears throat> and anyway, his it's down in Murray County, down around Columbia, down in right. there. Um, you know, he's a mortgage banker and a cattle rancher. Right. Um, and the postmaster, the he has no sort of medical background. Uh, he has, you know, it's, so it's all based on what his pastor's telling him. It is him. what his pastor tells him. And, and this so, is a crisis of Christianity. And when right. it all said and done, when people look back on the history of the United States and go like, why did they kill off 20% of their citizens? It'll be like, uh, the pastors told them to. Yeah. They were purging. And yeah. it's really weird. So r- real quick on the, uh, before we wrap up this segment, 
a safe Nashville.org. Yeah, I what's was, going on with that? I was I was shocked because um, you know we keep hearing about the number of cases are going up and more folks are being hospitalized, all of that kind of thing. So. It, one of the things in my church is we determine what we're going to do about masks and opening and all that stuff is we went to the Metro Nashville, a safe Nashville.org site to be able to evaluate what the metrics were on a day by day basis. Um, <clears throat> so I opened it up yesterday to look and see where we were and the numbers were really low. And I said, that doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like it's going up. Doesn't match and then what's I realized in the they shut it down in May. Right. There is, there is no public metrics now in our city yep. to be able to get that. Now, you obviously got something about the vaccination rate from the mayor. That was, so he often. just had, it was a, a was press a release this morning, release. and it was on Facebook when I read it. But but again, there doesn't seem to be any metrics that those of us out in the What are the underlying metrics of yeah. infection rates yeah. and all that kind of stuff? You know why the infection rate, by the way? Yeah. Um, obviously, the, the way people get tested now. Yeah is changed a little bit like our attitude towards testing has changed a lot right Right. so they closed down downtown's big testing and vaccination site and you go to walgreens they say it's super easy um i got tested for covid twice this week um the because i had this cold and you know when you get a cold in 2021 what do you do go get tested yeah i've gotten tested uh, twice in the past month (laughs) it's like oh wait i'm sniffling yeah so which by the way makes the covid test way more uncomfortable but the uh, this whole thing um, ended for most Southerners, including Florida and Texas right. and Missouri. The pandemic ended in May. Yeah. Right. So everything got shut down. They've gotten rid of, you know, they're they're also running out of federal money. Right. They were paying for all this stuff with federal money. Right. Um, we have lots of federal money for other things that we're not allowed to spend it on. But you can't move the money that Governor Lee stole right. from the unemployed and move it over to right. another area, right? So, by the way, Governor Lee in the state of Tennessee this week will be served with a class action lawsuit mm-hmm. um, insisting that he does not have the authority to stop federal money from going to unemployment recipients that are entitled to that money via a federal law. That's So he is not, and three other states have already sued and won. Got you. So it looks like there's that's a big open... Uh, conversation that's going to continue, but watch out for that. This coming week, it's it's written. The lawsuit's written, and they're ready to file. That will be that will be fun. It'll be fun to watch. It's uh, it is in fact a. Uh, I, I can't see a world in which that would be legal. Yeah, no. you know, it's like, uh, you can't over you just can't override federal law. So, so I guess part of what we're saying in this is that, of course, the p- pandemic is not over. No, um, and. You know, on the one hand, while our governmental leaders are trying to sort of pretend that it is, um, we're at a point where it's not looking good. No. And, and we're going to have to figure out how we function within this. And it, as, a, as a leader of a group of people that meets on a Sunday morning for an hour— um, I need data. I need yeah. information to be able risk. to do smart things. Yeah. Um, and we're pretty well open right now. We're not yeah. requiring masks. Um, and I can say pretty confidently, 98% of the folks in the room have been vaccinated. Right. Um, we're we're uh, a group that tends to take that seriously. Good. But um, you never know. So No, um, you don't. And so. I, all right, I'm going to wrap it up with a quick question. Do you believe that we will have mask mandates in Metro Nashville public schools? 
This fall? No. Yeah, I don't either. I think that... I think it'll be strongly encouraged. Yeah. But I think it won't be a mandate because they're too afraid to go there. Right. They don't, they don't want to have to put up with the lawsuit. Yeah, it's going to be a mess. It's like, so, hey, I know we went off. We spent a lot of time talking about the state of Tennessee. We can always change the name of the podcast. But the... Um, that's a lot of that stuff. Now we'll come back and actually talk about fun things that are going on in Nashville, Tennessee, um, or as we like to call them, joyful, joyful. super spreader events. Exactly. Because <laughs> okay. we're going to have a whole bunch of those. We'll be right back. Kind of sad I'm going to be out of town because I've... Some for some, I actually was blaming on freaking Netflix. I've I've become a fan of F1 racing. Yeah. Why have you become a fan of F1 racing? Well, Netflix had this show called The Need for Speed. Basically, it was a documentary that kind of premiered like a season of F1 racing, and it kind of sucked me in. And now, like, I'm I'm interested in F1 racing. I I don't watch it live, but, like, I always watch the highlights after the race and, you know, who know who's who. A lot of it's more interesting to me than... A lot of normal, certainly more interesting to me than NASCAR. Yeah. By the way, we've been recording for all this time, so welcome back to the BNA podcast. But we're we're talking about the Nashville Grand Prix. But the, um, I have, I find that like F1 racing, because they have to turn two directions, I find it so much more interesting. Well, no, that's exactly right. You know, they've got, they actually have to turn. Yeah. Uh, And it's a lot harder to get past other cars. Nearly impossible. Yeah. It takes like these weird little like freakish moments. Yeah. It's, and there's, there's back, Stage drama that's kind of interesting too. I oh, mean, I bet. Right, the, yeah. the teams are because you've got teams that are not only wanting to get their driver the championship; they're wanting their their own you know teammate team, team to get points and then this. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of that going on. I mean, it's, that used to happen in indie racing a lot too when it, I used to keep up. Yeah, I, I loved indie racing too. I was a big Bobby Unser fan. Yeah, that makes sense for our age. Yes. It's Bobby Unser, that was our guy. Yeah. Um, Mario Andretti, of course. Yeah. I got to go to the Indy 500 in 1981. Cool. So... With an incredibly fascinating band of gypsies. It was like me sure. and my buddy Chuck Bedwell, who's invited me to the kickoff of the Grand Prix, which, thank mm-hmm. you, Chucky. Um, the Kicks Brooks, Brooks and Dunn. Right. Two other friends of ours, uh, one of, both of, all of whom are still alive, which yeah. is maybe the most amazing thing, because the they behavior... in your 20s. I was 19, so... Yeah, I was going to say, I wasn't... Yeah. Uh, I might have just turned 20. No, you were about to turn 20. I don't know yeah. what day it happened. Yeah, so. anyway. But it was... I was not old enough to drink. Sure. But somehow I did anyway. Of course. Uh, so, but we went to this thing, and the first... The thing that I always remember, we were sitting at the end of one of the turns that goes around toward the straightaway. Right. And I don't remember what number. In the grandstand or in the infield? In the grandstand. Okay. So the cars are pointed straight at your face. Right. Right. And so you watch them go around the track two or three times as they get warmed up and they warm the tires up. And then there's a there's a pace car and there's right. all this stuff, pageantry that goes on. And then, and then all of a sudden they actually start the Indy 500. Right. And they drive around two miles and you're in the last sort of half mile of it. Mm-hmm. And then you see a car coming at your face at 200 miles an hour. Yeah. And I was like 12 rows up or something like that. Everyone in our grandstand 
ducked. I'm sure. Everybody's like, everything that you know about physics says it can't possibly stick to the ground. Exactly. We're all going to die. Exactly. And we all ducked. It was hilarious. So, uh, But we recovered and finished. Uh, we brought a case of beer each with a cooler, to, and we rotated them out. Do so you remember we, who won? Oh, no. I don't remember anything after about you know an hour. <laughs> I don't remember True. driving home. I'm sure we did. <clears throat> So uh, all of this is in the lead up to Nashville is about to enter back in. Well, we have we have some racing, car, we yeah. have racing, we but have, that's kind of different. Yeah. But but we're going to have a Grand Prix on August the fifth, an IndyCar Grand Prix, and uh, it's actually kind of wild. Yeah, it's it's like, a road race. Too. I've been downtown a bunch lately. The um, and they're setting it up. Yeah. And so the first of all, the route. Mm-hmm. I find it kind of what's the word i'm looking for stupid okay um an enormous amount of the race takes place uh-huh. on korean vets right that's the bridge Ooh. it all goes over the bridge and back it does it goes over the bridge mm-hmm. i've never heard of an indy car race going yeah. over a bridge so it all goes over the bridge now that's interesting and but there's no place for people to watch on a bridge no there I mean, isn't you can, there people are going to be allowed up there i think okay um Maybe VIPs. I don't know what the deal is going to be. Yeah. But the, uh, it's, I don't know. That's going to be interesting. That's a lot of track to have unaccessible to the general public to enjoy the race. Yeah. Yeah. I did hear that the Music City Star is going to do transportation downtown. That's though. cool. Yeah. So you can pick it up in Lebanon and drive downtown. That's a, it's a good idea. Yeah. We need to do a whole lot more of that. They really do. I mean, that that that's a longer conversation. Yeah, right. right. And we should probably do a transportation <clears throat> thing. We've got a lot going on in transportation we'll talk about next week. Sure. But, uh, yeah, we're, it's, 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 uh, it's going to be gonna fun. Be, it's going to be fun. Um, and uh, sponsored by a Big Machine big Records. Machine is that Scott Bruchetta? Scott Bruchetta. And Scott has been involved in racing since the first day he made 80 bucks. I mean, he just... You, he's he has been he's been the biggest sponsor at the Nashville Raceway for decades at this point. I mean, as soon as he started making money, he just started buying race cars. Did you uh, hear that he's kind of in a little uh, deal about one of his artists? Well, <clears throat> he's in two that I know of. But which one were you referencing? I was the, the one that's just come out with this new song that's kind of the Patriot and um, Let's Own the Libs kind of song. Oh that, well, yeah, he wouldn't care about that. But, yeah, yeah. Um, Somehow, I think he'll work through it. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, all of that's to say, we're going to have a Grand Prix. It's going to be great. I'm going to be out of town. It's kind of classy for Nashville. It is kind of classy for Nashville. I like it. And I mean, it's, you know. It's going to be interesting to see how it turns out. Um, I hope it's a huge success. I do kind of hope they rethink the route next time they do it. But right. the, um, we have a lot of of potential interesting route options mm-hmm. and I know that there's a million things that go into making these decisions right but I think there's a lot of options in Nashville uh, I'm sure there are a lot of my god the political process to sure. get a route approved in Nashville well that was what's uh, funny is I have an estimation by the way I make one prediction about the Nashville Grand Prix right what well because the Nashville Police Department who manages ingress and egress of events downtown right they don't allow cars to go in after a certain period of time like if there's a predators game like in the last minute they stop allowing cars to go into downtown nashville right they only allow cars to come out because someday if they invent uber and lyft they'll probably change that but since that hasn't been invented yet in nashville Mm -hmm. they don't do it um i believe 
that in the last lap, Mm-hmm. The Nashville Police Department will close the bridge in order to allow people to leave, and the race will end in a forfeit because <laughs> they won't understand. And then Nashville Police Department will erase, arrest all of the drivers who are trying to pass them uh, go to, to go to the finish line. When everybody knows at the end of a race, we have to close all the entryways to downtown Nashville. Exactly, it's what we do. Yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, we'll see how this shakes down. I, I there was a story in the Tennessean that. Um, looked at you know the back how this came to nashville and um there were some folks that were trying to get it to happen and so they were meeting with uh, roger penske yeah. uh, who basically owns sort of the car. king of indy cars yeah. now yeah. and um he was like yeah you know i'm not sure about doing a road race it's too many permits it's all this kind of stuff and butch byrden who is the convention visitors bureau guy who basically runs the city yes said now, son, this is Nashville. Yeah. Those things don't matter here. Yeah. You don't worry about that. We do events, yeah. you know. So uh, I think that just summed up the city for me in so many ways. It certainly sums up the core of the city, doesn't it? I mean, it's like yeah. Nashville literally has become economically a theme park. In, and in so many ways. It, I mean, it is. And the thing that scares me about that, Nashville used to be pretty economically diverse. Now, yeah. you could argue there's still a lot of I, economic I mean, I think it still kind of is. But, but, yeah. but it's like they definitely have gone all in on uh, theme parking downtown. They really have. And it's become like even something like that where it's like. Uh, it would be like saying to where I used to work at the Walt Disney Company that's like, well, we want to have a road race in Orlando. The Walt Disney Company would say, no problem. Yeah. I can make that happen. Exactly. Right? You yeah. want me to blow up a bridge yeah. and build something new there? <laughs> yeah. We, no, no problem. problem. We can. And guess what? I can make Mexico pay for it. Oh, wait. That was <laughs> yeah. a different story. Yeah. But the... Um, but it was that way, right? And yeah. the and Nashville has run that way. And it's funny that, you know, we see all this stuff. It's like with the vaccine stuff and with the Tourism Bureau. And all, all of this stuff trickles down from the same mentality of we have only looked at, quoted, or discussed old, rich, white people. Right. We have not once, you know. Exactly. We've mentioned one woman, that was Lisa Piercy, mm-hmm. and one African-American, and that was Justin Jones, who had to get charges dropped because he protested a uh, KKK guy being right. honored in the Capitol. But, so, you know, it's like, this is still the South, and we still have such an incredible burden. Um, uh, we're so top-heavy, you know, with that kind of good old boy thinking. This has nothing to do with Nashville, but I'm just going to throw it in there in case you... There is a there's a new documentary on uh, Hulu that I was watching last night um, called Summer of Soul. And there oh, was... Oh, I've heard nothing but good stuff oh, about it. Oh, it's so good. It's, it's basically there was this Harlem Cultural Festival. Right. The same summer as Woodstock. Yep. Uh, had 300,000 African-American people. They had 40 hours of television coverage, and it got locked in a basement for 50 years. Right, Nobody right. saw it. Quest, Quest Love produced it. It was, it was really <laughs> yep. good. Um, but what was interesting, they do a little thing right there. One of the things that happened in the midst of this festival was the moon landing. The very first moon landing. Yeah. It was that summer. And so they show all of these interviews with white people going, going, oh, yeah, this is great. This is awesome. This is fantastic. And then they show all these interviews from folks at the festival going, you know, we really could have better spent that money on helping people. Right, right. We could have fed people. It was just an interesting I heard some of those uh, interviews uh, when they interviewed Questlove and 
um, played some of those clips. And and I think it's true. It's interesting because we've talked about it a bunch this week as we had our second billionaire this month go to space. I will say this. We desperately need both things to happen. Exactly. And we can easily do both. Yeah. That's, um, and that was one of the arguments. And I think one made. of the things that is like without the moon uh, landing program, without mm-hmm. the Apollo program at NASA, there'd be way too many inventions. And those those inventions employ lots of people these days. And sure. it really did work out well. And if we still did it the way we used to do NASA, which yeah. is like you give them an enormous amount of money and say failure is not an option. Here's what we're doing. Ten years, go to the moon. Yeah. Right? So anyway, that has nothing to do with Nashville. It has Other a lot than, to It's, it's, yeah, it's all yeah, Nashville. Yeah, you know, I it's get, like, I get it's, We have it, a It's we have all a interrelated. Here. It's all old white people. Also, the McCartney 321 series on Hulu. Is it good? I, I liked it. Okay. I might check that out. I'm, I'm interested. I like, yeah. I like Paul. Yeah. I mean, um, it's basically Rick Rubin and Paul talking about the songs and kind of doing right. pulling the tracks out and and you know what they were thinking about when they wrote it. And yeah, stuff I heard like some that. clips was, about that too. It sounds really good. It, it, I I watched the first episode. It was good. Okay, we need to back probably to, back get, to Nashville now. There's also Nashville. they're building a bowling alley down the road from your place. They are. Um, Nashville is the entertainment capital of the world. Uh, no, uh, what's happening is. Um, in Madison, the wonderful metropolis of Madison, we have two things that are actually going in. Yeah, one, good, really one, good things. Really good things. Yeah. One is a thing called the East Side Bowl. And honestly, this is a copy of a thing that's built over in Germantown, which is called Brooklyn Bowl, which is, I think, a chain. It is a chain and, based and, in and Brooklyn, oddly enough. And it's kind yeah. of based off of the what was started here early on, that Pinewood social model, which yeah, is it's exactly which it's a that, bowling yeah. alley, but the focus is not really on bowling. It's right. sort of as a multi-purpose entertainment venue. So uh, Eastside Bowl, which is going to probably open in August, um, has a lot of bowling lanes and it looks beautiful and they've built it from scratch and it's it's really gorgeous but they're also going to have a 700 seat music venue right. and they're going to have uh, a restaurant that has ties to an old restaurant that a lot of folks love called the family wash right um and so this is going to open end of august is what they're saying where right was now. the original family wash it was in East Nashville, but I can't remember exactly where. Because I know they redid the Family Wash on right. Main Street, and right. that, that one died an ugly death. Yeah. It's now an they, excellent Asian street food restaurant. Yeah, they were both um, East Nashville kind right. of Got things. It. But um, so we're really excited about that opening. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing what's going to happen. It's going to be and a great it, spot. It's right by Briley Parkway. There's yeah. an enormous amount of free parking. Yep. I hope it stays free. Uh, but there's an enormous <laughs> amount of parking available. I would imagine um, it would. It, it, if... If you're wondering where this place is, if you go down Gallatin Pike now near the cemeteries, look for the Amazon trucks. Yeah, it's it's, it's absolutely the parking lot is still covered with Amazon, Amazon distribution, distribution trucks. trucks. So we're excited about that. But then the other thing, uh, and we will confess that it's being opened by a couple of friends of ours. Exactly, we like uh, them. A but lot. this place called um, in Nashville, there's been this. Um, show that's been happening for a bunch of years now called Music City Roots and yep. it's it's a live show but it also was a PBS yeah, they did program. a PBS version they, of it they, they still do or plan and then they also are the same promoters that own Bluegrass Underground yes that is correct uh, so they have a cave down in Murray County where they they, they do lots and an outdoor venue now down there They're right doing, now it's upstairs right? right it's still downstairs but they won't do that for the right. COVID thing but it's but, man, uh, it's a spectacular but, place uh, that's what I hear that uh, the outdoor that the, well I also 
to hear. I don't know about the venue. outdoor. I went to the indoor venue last. Year I've had some last. folks that went to the amphitheater. They said it's really good. Um, but what? Uh, anyway, all of this is to say, in Madison, they are creating their own venue for to be able to do Music City Roots out of. They've been using other venues. They started out the Loveless, and they right. moved to the Frag Factory first place in Franklin. I saw them, right? And. Um, this is going to be another 700 to 1,000 seat venue, uh, which honestly in Nashville we need. Um, yeah, right. We have plenty of uh, other sizes. Yeah. So well, we also need some that aren't downtown or yeah. in the downtown circle. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's some, there's actually no 700 seat venues downtown. But, right. Uh, and and so Midi, the Music City Roots Barn, because it looks like a barn, it does. is going to be built there. It's all going to be wood. It's yeah, gorgeous. It's, it's going to be really, really gorgeous. To be fair, um, the corners are made parking, out of metal. Parking may be a little limited, um, but I would... There's a bunch of parking accessible to them. There is a bunch of parking accessible. There's also parking down the street at the City Road Chapel, United well, Methodist go. Church. You can for, go right across the street. For five bucks, we will Come shuttle you to the venue. I like that. Uh, I with, love that Anyway, idea. we're talking with them about that. But all of that's not sure you have to talk to them about that. But yeah, I understand. Yeah, well, no, we are talking about them of some sponsorship opportunities. Oh, that'd be cool. So I just think it's good. it's a great spot. There's there's a vast gap in Nashville, mm-hmm. uh, and Madison is one of the vast gap areas. Right. right. It's you go up through East Nashville, which has got lots of activities and restaurants and this, that, and the other, and it kind of stops at Briley Parkway. Right. So to have two really significant additions to the sort of social features right. of Madison, give it a lot of hope. No, um, I think that I think that's right. To and grow it, you and know, expand. Yeah. The reality for Music City Roots is it's going to be it's going to be basically an Americana roots music place, um, yeah. which in Nashville, surprisingly enough, you've got the Ryman, which is fifteen hundred. What three thousand right. people? It's probably three three thirty five hundred something like that. I guess. Um, and then you've got kind of the station in, which is itty bitty teeny, which is itty bitty teeny hundred. And, and I mean, you got basement east. And if you don't drink PBR, you can't go there. <laughs> right. um, and then um, I guess um, Third and Lindsley does some Americanas, some of that, some but, of that. but other than that, that's about it for venues that are capable of doing that type of music. And well. this is a city with Lightning One Hundred being the number one independent yeah. radio station in the United States repeatedly. Yeah. yeah. Um, that is, and it is Nashville is home to a full fifty percent of maybe more of the meaningful American artists in the United States. Exactly. Um, I mean, I have four or five friends that you know it's really funny. I didn't know they were famous. I found out because I'm not a I don't listen to radio very much. Right. Um, but I'm just like, oh, you live. Oh yeah, you live right over there. That's nice. Nice yeah. to meet you. Um, but yeah, and you know. And I, I guess arguably the most important American artist currently in the United States lives in East Nashville, sort of sure. famously. So, sure, um, uh, it's time to bring it home, right? And that's a much better place for it, right? You don't have to deal with uh, neon lights and bachelorette parties. Interestingly enough, too, they they partner with WMOT, which is the um, MTSU's radio yep. station. Uh, which has really focused on kind of roots Americana music, and so it's w- a really good radio. Station. WMOT is actually going to have a studio there at the Music City Roots Barn, and part of the idea was, you know, um, folks come into town to do a concert in Nashville, right. they need to do an interview with WMOT. They have to drive to Murfreesboro, right. so they're going to have a, a, a studio and a live uh, connection so that they can uh, originate concerts on the radio from uh, this place, and yeah, also artists idea. can come in. 
going to do interviews and stuff like that. So, it's extremely good news for WMOT. I can yeah, tell you. Oh that. yeah. I mean, my God. Yeah. No. So it's going it, to. We're excited about it. It's going to be fun out in Madison. But it's just. Um, one of the good things that's happening in terms of growth and it's fun to see something happening outside of downtown yeah we have to so expand the footprint of, of activity because it's like you know we always talk about these uh, and the reason we always talk about these is because these is distinctively great and not downtown right exactly. so it is it can maintain a certain uh, local feel yeah and and D's, i will say is Amer- does a lot of americana but it can only but hold it's a about small though, yeah. 100 100 people yeah maybe. right and it's it is very much what it is supposed to be right um so i think it's really super great i'm going to we're going to wrap up today with we're, here's the deal so what we're doing is you'll notice an increase in positive stories the reason this is important to note is cuz I don't, by my nature, really like positive stories because I like griping about politicians. It's what makes me happy. Right. But it doesn't make for a balanced review of the city. Sure. Because there are a lot of really great things going on. The reason that 85 people are moving here every day is because good things happen here. We're just down to 85 now? Yeah, we're down to currently, you know, probably pandemic numbers. Yeah, exactly. So are we going to do restaurants or are we going to do the council scorecard? No, no, the council scorecard I have to start next week because it was too complicated this time. But next week we'll start with the council scorecard, which is just a humorous look at how our city council spends its right. Two-week meet every other week meeting. So Nashville is become has become a food town. Brian will remember back in the day when we lived here. You know, in the seventies and eighties, I was here in the seventies. That basically there was the sale maker. Right. I think Sperry's was still around that time. Oh, yeah. Sperry's was That's around. It was around. Uh, but there weren't a whole lot this of This was not options. a food town, right? I mean, it was Jimmy town. Kelly's was there. Right. Um, but it was it was Rotier's. Yeah. It was Elliston Place right. Soda Shop. It was um, The Cooker. The Cooker. Right? Oh, I love The Cooker. I love cooker. The Cooker. <laughs> I mean, The Cooker was like, it was like the precursor to the Cheesecake Factory. It was like someplace where you could go and get... Feel like you were in kind of an upscale environment. Yeah. To get forty-five pounds of food. Well, it was it was really in some ways an upscale meat and three. Totally. Their vegetables totally. Oh were my god, just it was so good. Phenomenal. I, know, it's like I still miss their broccoli casserole. Oh god, it was I so love good. that place. That place so, was good. So that's what, but that's what we had, right? I mean, it was had. like you know. And now we have Sean Brock. You know, I mean, yeah. it's it's like I'm just amazed at the you know what we are we've come. Yeah, so, there's a new restaurant opening up in East Nashville. Right? Uh, Audrey, which I'm so yeah. excited about I, and when I can save up the several hundred dollars to go to either there or the Continental I'm going to go uh, you know he has the Continental yeah. which is at the Grand Hyatt I actually and I've been seeing reviews met of that. via a friend of mine I met uh, one of the managers at the Continental uh, who is also helping open Audrey right and, just seems like a great addition for our city. I'm glad something's going once again in East Nashville. The thing that I'm really impressed with Sean about um, is, like I'm calling him the first name, Mr. Brock. We should ask. We uh, should have him on the podcast. Is, if you've not seen his Chef Table uh, episode where he basically goes through his recovery story, his right. health issues and his recovery story, um, he really gets that restaurant workers need to be traded, treated right. So, like, What did he recover Audrey, from? I haven't heard it. Alcohol. Oh, he's a drunk like he's me. He's a drunk like yeah. you. 
By the way, I had 14 years yesterday. So I know. Congratulations. I know. I haven't that, had a drink that, in 14 years. I wish years. I had an applause button. Yeah. But um, I'll add one later. But anyway, he like in his new restaurants, he's putting like wellness rooms where folks can go. And if right. like they get stressed out, they can, you know, I mean, he's doing a lot of like he's giving folks one week paid vacation after they've worked there six weeks. You know, if you've worked there for longer than a year, you get two weeks paid right. vacation. I mean, he's doing a lot of things right. He's doing yeah. that wacky thing where you treat. Uh, your, your employees employee. like humans, and and he, it's a nice mix. And he he's doing that out of his own experience of being a workaholic and knowing that he was a workaholic, sure. uh, in addition to being an alcoholic. So they go uh, together great. I yeah. I, I tell you, I watched that episode and I was like, I really want him to come speak to my church. Yeah, I, I want to hear cool. his story. I, like this I, idea I need I need to call him. I might have see. a call. I'll but put anyway, a call in. we're going to talk about you know, our funny restaurants. I probably do know him and I don't know it. True. Which is one of the great things about anonymous programs. True. Okay, so. So we were going to talk about our restaurants of the week. And the reason we're talking about our restaurants of the week is because we're talking about restaurants you can afford to go to. Yes, absolutely. So do you want me to go first? Yeah, you you go go first. first. So um, as you know, I do a lot of work with homeless folk. Yes. And there was a flood a ways back where a bunch of homeless folk out in southeast Nashville got flooded out. And so we put them up at the church while they, we were trying to figure out where they could go live. Quick, um, quick aside. Yeah. You say southeast Nashville. Yeah. Was it actually south and east of Nashville? It was in Antioch. Okay, got it. Well, it was actually kind of Brandyoch in that area. Old okay. Bus. So, so south, southeast. South, okay. southeast. So um, I would say southeast. Okay. Anyway, they they were staying at the church, and I was there trying to help out things. And one night, they had catered dinner from this little place, pasta place, called Nicoletta's. Ah, uh, Nicoletta's. Nicoletta's. Uh, I think there are two locations. The one I go to is on Gallatin Pike yeah, in Inglewood. Inglewoodish. It's Inglewoodish. And... Um, and it's f- homemade, fresh pasta. I mean, it's like oh, it's right by Trinity Lane. Right? Yeah, 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 and yeah. it's yeah. and it's like they make their pasta in. You know, it's not you're not getting dried pasta that's been heated up. This is like real homemade stuff. And I got they. I just picked up this meal that was pasta and um, Italian sausage and what they call their pink sauce, which is kind of mm. like a vodka sauce type yeah, of yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. It was phenomenal, and I've gone back there several times since. Uh, not ridiculously expensive, you right. know. It's you know, the crystal these days costs ten bucks yeah, to get I know, some it's weird. Uh, but it was it was really well worth the meal. I, we had a great meal, so I would recommend Nicoletta's. The one in uh, on Gallatin Pike is the one I've been to. Um, and I, I think there's one in Twelfth there. South too. Is that right? I don't. Yeah. Know. I've, I've I've been to the one on Galton Bike uh, with my son one time. Right. Um, and I was not blown away by Nicoletta's, so I'm going to go back. Okay. I had, but my wife has celiac disease, and they don't have gluten free pasta gotcha. yet, so we don't go there together. It have to be something I'm doing with one of the kids or something. Sure. So I did, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, uh, we needed to go to Fifth and Broadway, and I right. had a meeting with a fellow from the Creative Artist Agency. Yes. Uh, so me and the CAA did walked across the street to uh, Fifth and Broadway and mm-hmm. walked through there and looked around and really impressive. Gotcha. Um, it's on my list. Yeah, it's really, I was really, really, really happy that we went. The um, And we spent some time, right? It was that we had a few minutes and we were just walking from his office so it was easy to just kind of hang out and right. uh, look around. And so ended up there evidently either three or four black-owned restaurants, um, 
in the area. So, in, I mean, in Princess, the Broadway. Princess, Princess is one. there. And um, we went to Slim and Huskies, which I've been hearing about for years oh, in Nashville. Too, and I just haven't been. Um, and it's really a homemade, like, picked up, tossed, and spread around dough. They have two sizes, Slim and, and Husky. Husky. Yes. Um, which, as I joked about before, the uh, but actually before I gained twenty pounds during the pandemic, we were going to call the podcast Slim and Husky, but yeah, that just didn't true. happen. But yeah. the uh, um, uh, it's really good. Yeah, agreed. And it was really yeah, fast. I I, yeah, I'm ready to go. I oh my god! So the pizza I just had, and I always do this. It's like when I go to a new restaurant, mm-hmm. it's a like an American family style restaurant. I right. get a cheeseburger, right. and I do that because I want to know if they can do the cheeseburger good, then I'll venture out. Right. When I go to a Mexican restaurant for the first time, I get chicken enchiladas. Right. I have a baseline. Sure. When I go to a pizza place, I get pepperoni. Gotcha. So I got it just straight up. Pepperoni pizza. Yeah, I got the husky. Bad call. Husky's big. Husky is plenty. Okay. Um, you had leftovers to bring home. I did bring them home. Uh, it was a lot of food. So gotcha. I had a good experience. It was, it was once again, affordable. Good. Fun place to go. Mm-hmm. Beautiful facility there. And uh, so I get a super high five shout out to Slim and Huskies. I thought it was uh, as good a pizza as I have had in Nashville. Now, if you go back to Fifth and Broadway, is there another place you're wanting to check? Well, everybody, I mean, I kind of want to go to Prince's just for the experience now sure. that it's moved into swanky downtown headquarters. Right. Yeah. Um, but I'm not 100% sure. I'll wait and see. The Mexican restaurant's supposed to be good down there, but... Mexican, I mean, we can... We have good we Mexican right restaurants here. about yeah. every two and a half feet. Well, we so. have we have above average Mexican. Above There's average, actually not yes. any good restaurants in Nashville for True. Mexican food. Um, actually, I would argue. I think Garden Fresh, the food bar at Garden Fresh Market on Gallatin Road, it's probably is really a little good. closer to yeah. what actual Mexican food tastes like. Right. Um, Although it's really hard to say because there's there's so few people in Nashville that have ever tasted Mexican food. Right. That it's hard. You know, I was talking to somebody from like Chula Vista. Mm-hmm. And it was for first time in Nashville, and I, I was like, "Don't eat Mexican food here." And she's like, "Why?" And I said, "We don't have enough Mexicans." She was Mexican, yeah. and uh, and so like even our Mexican restaurants run by Mexican Americans are making food that you like, mm-hmm. not food that they grew up with, right? Gotcha. <laughs> right. So the that's one of those things that it, it takes time to develop. Mm-hmm. It'll happen. It'll yeah. happen. But as of right now, I, I'm. I only eat local Mexican, but I realize what I'm getting. Gotcha. So, the go check out Nicoletta's in Inglewood, Slim and Huskies. I recommend any of their locations. That but Fifth and Broadway is a beautiful place right. to go visit. Um, it'll be fun to see what happens with uh, the Nashville Grand Prix, and we'll we'll have to go to Eastside Bowl and review that. Absolutely. Um, but you know, it's you take been, the portable rig and record a podcast. With yeah, me. I bet we could pull that off with with uh, the the pins dropping behind us. That'd it's be a great. cool sound, right? Yeah, it I would mean, be. The uh, yeah, I'm down with that. Okay, I used to be able to bowl. I wonder if I could still bowl. Um, it's been years. Yeah, I'd, I I never claimed to be a bowler, but I have fun. I was, um, and this will I'll end with this, but it was. In 1984, the year of our Lord. Yes. At Belmont College, mm-hmm. which is one of those funny things in Nashville, I've lived long enough mm-hmm. that this sort of chintzy little Southern Baptist school that I went to is now fancy. So yeah. the fact that I graduated from Belmont now sounds kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but at Belmont College, mm-hmm. back in the you know early 1980s, bowling was available 
yes. as a PE credit. Oh, we had that at Western Kentucky, too. So I went to Melrose mm-hmm. and bowled, you know, twice a week yeah. for two separate semesters. I took bowling one and two. Yeah. I never got any good at it, but come on, a college kid, you take him over to the Melrose Bowl for his and, PE class. Yeah, exactly. They serve beer, for God's sake, yeah. and you could smoke indoors back then. Yeah, we, we had uh, that at Western as well, and although I didn't do that, I chose instead. We had, there was a deal. You had to have two PE credits. Right. I don't know if you had that. That's what we had. Two That's... PE credits. And all of those classes, like bowling or was one credit each. Um, right. But if you took basic mountaineering from the ROTC, that was a two-credit class, so you could get that knocked out with just one oh. year, one semester. So that's where I repelled off the parking garage at Western Kentucky. That's pretty awesome. It was six stories. Kind of yeah, that's like I, and yeah. there was a really cute girl that I liked that was in the class, and that really sealed Listen, the deal. When for I me. was in college, I would have repelled for cuties, no <laughs> exactly. question about it. I was pretty repelling for cuties, but I, anyway. I, yeah, I repelled okay, a lot I of cuties myself. I think we probably need to wrap this up. We're that's awesome, you guys. Far afield. Have a great week. Uh, we got some surprises coming up, and I hope that you'll enjoy and most importantly share uh, the BNA podcast because we look forward and we look forward to your questions on Facebook or directly to us, whatever you want us to look into. Questions would be good we need a question of yeah the week. it'd be fun to get a question of the week we can make that happen so okay everybody if you're listening to us send us a question of the week uh no matter how absurd um we'll read it exactly and maybe, we might even answer it maybe not out loud but <laughs> whatever right. have a great week, take guys. care bye bye